The John Morris Show, episode 155. The John Morris Show. Your life on code. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morris. Hey everybody, welcome back to The John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. This episode, wanted to get into this whole PewDiePie scandal that's kind of been going on lately. I been kind of watching the whole thing happen and I know that this isn't necessarily the the regular thing that we do in the show but I kind of wanted to comment on this because uh, a it just uh, it kind of baffles me that that people still fall for this sort of sort of thing and that there's media companies and so forth still trying to do this sort of thing but beyond that I think it also it is an indicator it's one of those things that I look at that really shows me where things are headed. And we'll, we'll kind of get into why that is, but I want to talk about it and ultimately what it means for you as a web developer, because I think this is a a huge sign of the way things are changing. I mean, think about this for a second. You have a media company in the Wall Street Journal who for years has been this kind of established, respected, well-known publication that in years past had they done something like this to somebody they would have pretty much ruined that person for their for life you know they they that person would have been branded and they you know they would have never been able to really live any sort of public life again but with PewDiePie <laughs> What actually happened is, yes, he lost a sponsorship in Disney and he lost his show. So they're still able to make certain things happen, but his subscribership actually has grown. There was a video I watched where there was Philip DeFranco, actually, that showed his subscribers were at about 7,000 a day prior to this. And now they're like 50, 60, 70,000. A day, so his subscribership has grown tremendously as a result of all of this. And so, in a lot of ways, in the long-term way of looking at what really matters, I mean, a, a, a newspaper like the Wall Street Journal would kill for that many subscribers. So what they're what they've done is actually backfired on them in the long-term view. So they've got a kind of a short-term win, but long-term they're ultimately losing and, and going to continue to lose. So. It's pretty amazing when you look at it. So if you haven't heard what happened here, uh, PewDiePie put out a video, and the video was actually about Fiverr. And he wanted to go on Fiverr. I think this was a part commentary on Fiverr and how ridiculous it can be a little bit, but also part social commentary in terms of what people will do for money. So he went on Fiverr to a bunch of these different gigs, and he kind of wanted to show what people on there would do for money. And so he he paid for a bunch of different gigs and tried to get them to do some really weird stuff. So one was with this math teacher. He tried to get her to make a graph that looked like a penis. Uh, one was, there's a couple others, but the one that, that kind of caused the controversy versy, is he wanted these two kids who said they would hold up a, any, a sign with anything that uh, you wanted written on it and like dance around with it and, and in the jungle. And so what he put, what he had him put on the site 
or on the sign was death to all Jews. And I, given the video and the, the way it, you know, the way it played out, I think he assumed that there was no way they would do it. Right. So he wanted to take something really con like just really egregious, like an obvious, this is something you don't do. And he wanted to see if they would do it, assuming that they wouldn't. Well, they did. And they made he so he came back a few days later and went through all his gigs and showed who did what and who didn't, etc. And he showed these kids and they had a sign that said death to all Jews and they were jumping around laughing in the jungle. I assume probably didn't even know what it said. Right. I Again, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I assume that they probably didn't even know what it said. But they were jumping around. And, and laughing or whatever. And as, as soon as he saw, if you watch the whole video, he's deleted off his channel, but there's, it's out there for, if you, if you want to find it. But as soon as it happened, he's like, oh my God. It's like, I didn't think this would really happen. I'm sorry. Like I didn't, I get that this is like, when you see the image of them dancing around with that sign, it's a little, I could see how someone would be a little uh, taken aback by that. And if be offended by that, it was a little, it was a little weird. And as soon as he saw it, he, he was like, okay, wait a second. This is not right. I feel bad about this. Like, I didn't mean, I just didn't think they were going to do it, but they did. And so it kind of went sideways on him a little bit. But the whole point was to show the crazy things that people will do for money. Well, what happened is the the Wall Street Journal took that and they tried to portray it that he actually meant that and and tried to portray him as this Nazi that actually was anti-Semitic and actually meant what the sign said. And so they took clips from his different videos where there was one video uh, where he had uh, dressed up as a Nazi SS officer and was listening to a Hitler speech. The whole point of the video was the opposite. Like people had been calling him racist or something like that and so it was sarcasm essentially again very controversial you can disagree with the tactic etc but obvious that he wasn't actually a nazi right it, it was he was making the opposite point and so he was doing these kind of controversial things and his and in his response video to all of this he pointed out that you know he's been he admits that he's been kind of on a crusade against the media lately because he felt like they kind of have uh, kind of attacked him a little bit in the past and they've kind of mocked him in the past and he's kind of grown tired of them. And so he has been on for the last, I think he said like six months or year or whatever, kind of a crusade making fun of them. And well, this is kind of how they hit back. And the way that they hit back was to take everything, take all these things that he did, a lot of them, the, he was mocking them and doing it and try to say that he was an actual like anti-Semite Nazi, that he loved Hitler, etc. And so they basically did the exact thing that he was critiquing them for, that he was getting on them about. And so as a result, what happened to what happened was Disney ultimately dropped their sponsorship of him. Uh, his second season of his YouTube Red Show got canceled. And that was, I mean, as far as the, there was a bunch of articles and you know, it was kind of a thing for a while. But if you look outside of the kind of media circle, actual just regular people, most of the backlash has been 
to the Wall Street Journal because people have gone and actually watched all of the videos in question and saw that it wasn't what they were trying to portray him to be. And they, 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 they realized that the Wall Street Journal took him completely out of con. It was basically a hit piece on him. And this is kind of semi-related semi to, the, to the thing that ha happened with Milo Yiannopoulos. I don't know if you follow, follow him at all, but he kind of got into this, uh, he kind of got into trouble a little bit because he had made some statements in regards to, uh, you might say pedophilia, but in regards to age of consent and, and things along those lines. And he, again, had some mainstream media that attempted to portray him as supporting pedophilia. Again, if you go and you listen to the actual podcast that he was on and what he was trying to say, he was trying to describe kind of what he went through uh, as a gay man growing up and, and his experience in relation to, to that particular thing. But everybody just kind of went, whenever he's trying to make a really nuanced point, they went, even on the podcast that he was on, it was, it was, it was kind of ridiculous, actually. Because the podcast that he was on, the one of the guys on there was like, well, that, that's pedophilia. Right. And he was trying to make a really nuanced point about how he he grew up. And for some backstory, he he dated a guy when he was 17. He dated a guy that was like 29 and he ended up dating that guy for like 10 years. And so he was talking about how that guy helped him with everything that was going on with him in growing up being gay and trying to 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 work through that and and figure himself out etc that guy really helped him and he said it's a common thing in the the gay community for that sort of thing to happen and that kind of got there were some other things he said but that kind of got all misconstrued as oh well you support pedophilia which by the way I just want to throw this out there i i was abused as a child and this kind of thing really irritates me because it's fairly established fact, I think, that a lot of victims end up becoming perpetrators. Having gone through it, my opinion of why that happens is because there's such a stigma around this kind of thing. You can't have a real conversation about it without someone just immediately having a virtue signal and go, oh, oh, pedophile, oh, get away, right? You can't talk about what your experience was. And so people who go through this and go from being abused to now all this crazy stuff going on in your head that you're trying to figure out at 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 14 years old, you're trying to work through, you are scared to death to talk to anybody about it. I was terrified to talk to anybody about it because of what they might say, what they might think, the stigma that's associated with it. And so the reason I think that that happens is because these, these kids go through this and they have nobody to talk to. They don't know how to deal with it and it eats them alive. Now, there's a hard line between what's going on in your head and the actions you take. I'm not excusing people who end up turning into abusers, right? The, no matter what's going on in your head, that doesn't justify actions. However, I think those people could be helped out tremendously. We could actually do a lot to curb this if people could actually have a, a nuanced conversation about it without everybody just immediately freaking out and having to virtue signal that they think it's disgusting and this that the other, right we all know that but we if we can't have those conversations then 
this kind of thing, in my opinion, is going to continue to happen. So it really irritates me, the whole whole thing that they did with Milo, because he was actually trying to make some, I think, relevant points. And he does use this brand of humor that he'll throw in there. But the thrust of his argument was a relevant point. And so, again, it just really irritates me. But, again, this is what, this is kind of what the old, if you look at any old media outlet, if you watch NBC or ABC or any of these, all these old media outlets, this is what they do uh, anymore. You don't see a ton of hard-hitting journalism. It's all this kind of clickbait media. And what's, again, what's interesting is with, with PewDiePie in particular, I don't know exactly what's going to happen yet with, with Milo, but the ultimate kind of fallout from all of this is more people uh, are not liking the Wall Street Journal and PewDiePie is gaining a ton of subscribers and continuing to make videos and continuing to do what he does. And so the lesson kind of here is that this is one is these media companies and just in people in general, they may be winning the battle, right? They, they've, they've, they got the YouTube show shut down. They got the sponsorship taken away, but they're losing the war. And I can promise you that a year from now, two years from now, however long when PewDiePie is at 70 million subscribers or 80 or a hundred that some advertiser is going to come around again. Some show opportunity is going to come around again. And if not, he's going to continue to do what he do, does as his subscribers grow and the Wall Street journals continue to tumble. Uh, and so, again, winning the battle but losing the war. Old media like this is losing market share and ultimately revenue, even in their digital versions. And... To, to the, there's actually numbers to back this up. So one of the ones that I looked up is over on Statista, and I, I kind of just looked at the numbers to kind of see. But it shows between 2010 and 2014, so this is only over a four-year span, that media consumption per day grew 83.7% on the Internet, on, on a computer. So this is 2010 to 2014. This isn't... I mean, this isn't 01 to 2017. I mean, this is a this is fairly a good, a good amount of way into the internet existing and all this stuff. It still grew 83.7%. And it's only over a four-year span. In that same time, TV went down 6%. Print newspapers went down 25.6%. And print magazines went down 19%. All while total media consumption uh, over uh, traditional media, uh, again, went down about 500 minutes or 50 minutes per day. And overall, internet consumption about doubled. Now, more people still consume total numbers, uh, 375.8 minutes per day in traditional media and 109.5 on the internet. So there's total wise, the traditional media still consumed more, but it's losing rapidly and the internet is growing quickly. And that's actually the point that, that I want to make, but I'll get into that. So again, just a few numbers there to show that the internet is kind of gradually replacing uh, traditional media. 
If you look at newspapers, which a lot of the Wall Street Journal, kind of some of these old stodgy, when you think of old media, this is what you kind of think of. If you look at print versus online revenue, so in 20, uh, 2003, uh, print in, in that industry, print accounted for uh, 40, $44.9 million in revenue, and online was $1.2 million for a total of $46 million. By 2012, print had dropped from 44.9 to 18.9, so 26 million dollars in ad revenue. And online had only grown from 1.2 to 3.3 million. The total went from 446 million down to 22 million. And I think these numbers are the most telling because what it tells you is a lot of people think, well, yeah, nobody's reading the newspaper, but they'll just, they're just reading the Wall Street Journal online, right? Or whatever, New York Times, whatever it is. But what this actually shows you is that these companies are losing revenue overall, right? People aren't replacing the Wall Street Journal, the newspaper that they got with Wall Street Journal online. They're replacing it with a YouTube channel. Or a blog, or some other, or, or social media, or some other source, and so these these companies are losing big time overall, not just switching from print to online. the 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 Wall Street Journal, in particular, uh, they've they've had some struggles as of recently. So they were they were down twenty one percent just as of I think it was second quarter of twenty sixteen. So. Just here recently, in fact, during the middle of this election, which most companies were up during that time, they were down 21%. It caused them to cut uh, some sections from their newspaper. They've changed up the way that they're doing it. They've tried to focus on different things, etc. They're trying everything that they can to fix what's happening. And so what it, what it kind of shows you is that you have this sort of a media company like this that's a bit desperate they're losing real dollars and cents and they're desperate to to figure out what what's happening and what's going on or what they can do to try and and change that uh so uh again just the the old media it's not just that they are transitioning online it's that they are losing overall uh you can look at uh you know all sorts of different numbers and and you'll see similar trends there are exceptions of course there are people that are doing it right or or at least are are able to hold it off but in general the industry is down as a whole so uh, to to kind of further dive into this i even asked my 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 son if he'd heard of nbc abc wall street journal new york times etc he'd kind of heard of NBC when I said that he's like yeah what is that news and then ABC was cartoons the other two he had no clue Wall Street Journal New York Times now he's nine but what what it ultimately points to to me is the future of media of all of this stuff is in digital and it's not in again these these established brands just moving online it's in YouTubers, it's in podcasters, it's in you know bloggers, etc. Right? That's where the future of all of this is, and people more and more are moving to those outlets. And I think 
that our generation is the generation where that's going to, or not our generation, our kids' generation is where that's going to really kind of uh, reach its ultimate conclusion because, you know, that's why I asked my son. My son knows all sorts of different YouTubers. He doesn't know, he barely knows NBC and ABC. He doesn't know Wall Street Journal and New York Times. And our kids are growing, they don't, my kids, they don't know what cable TV is. I mean, really, they know what YouTube is because that's what they watch. They know what Netflix is. They know what Hulu is. But they don't, they they have no idea what all these other established things are. So, again, I, there's some really specific things that I think that this means for us as uh, web developers and some things that I think you need to be doing right now in order to take advantage, not even take advantage, just survive this, right? If you want to continue to do what you do 10, 20, 30 years in the future, you have to watch this stuff and then hopefully go beyond just surviving and actually be able to take advantage of it. Before I do that, one of the things that's most important to all of this is that you as a web developer can can do the things that you want to do, deliver on the the things that you you need to deliver on. We're going to get into some of the things that, that you'll need to be able to do, but you need to actually be able to do it, which means you need to know the code. You need to know, you need to have your craft mastered and have your skills down. Now, I know there's lots of different things that you could get into, lots of different <laughs> languages and so forth, but if PHP is the one that you want to get good at, which I highly recommend, 82% market share, WordPress is 26 or 29%, which is a PHP application. There's all sorts of other PHP applications. It's just the largest kind of market out there for developers to get into. And frankly, the barrier to entry is fairly low. You need to learn some things, but you don't need to learn a thousand different things to get into it. But if that's your thing, then I want to encourage you to head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash php and take my PHP 101 course. Now, one of the things I just posted about on Facebook over there, or, or about that course, is one of the things that I figured out early in my career actually had to do with databases. And this is one of the things that was the, one of those pivotal moments where my thinking kind of changed. And what it came down to was understanding that there's really only three database tables that you're ever going to need in building your applications. And I would say 99.9% because there may be some situation where you don't. But I've watched uh, an application like WordPress, as big as it is, as feature-rich as it is, as complex and all the things that it does, it's really got three types of database tables in it. And it's had that for a long time. And the reason it's been able to do that is the way you put these database tables together. And so what it's what it leads to is a more modular database, a more flexible database, a more scalable database. And it means that when you want to make add a feature to your application or you want to make some sort of change to your application, that you don't need to go back and redo a big restructuring of your database. It's already modular. It's already flexible. It can handle those sorts of things. And since you don't have to change your database, that also means that you don't necessarily have to change a bunch of your core code. You can rely on the code that's already there because it's set up to work with this modular database. And so it just saves you a ton of time as you build applications and scale. It helps you really build more professional type applications 
where you can be confident going into even a big name client that what you've got set up uh, is going to work for them. It's going to work for them long term. There's not going to be a bunch of headaches. You didn't screw something up that later down the line, you're going to have to come back and just completely overhaul. So knowing these three database tables is is a pivotal moment, at least it was for me uh, in my career, in understanding how to build really professional applications and saving myself a bunch of headaches and so forth. Anyway, I show you what those are in module three of my PHP 101 course. So if that's something that you want to learn, then again, head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP and check that out. All right. So getting into some practical tips for what all of this, I've talked a lot of, uh, about a lot of stuff that isn't really web development, but I think it's crucial for us. So what does this mean for web developers? So I want to go through, there's kind of three things I wrote down here. The first one is the obvious point which is I think our conti- our industry is going to continue to grow. There's going to continue to be blogs. There's going to g- continue to be this movement towards digital and so forth. And so we're the, the, the need for us is just going to continue to grow. So you should be optimistic about that, that uh, you're in a space that for the foreseeable future, things are just going to continue to grow. I also think that we're just at the beginning of it. Right. We're we're just uh, it's not we haven't had the huge kind of overturn yet. If you look at some of the numbers and so forth, it's not like there's been the mobile or the Internet has kind of actually grown slowly. It what's happened is, is that the old media has lost significantly. So I think we're still yet to see the huge explosion of sort of the online stuff and online media becoming the dominant media. Old media is still dominant, but it's losing so quickly, it's not going to be for much longer. So again, I think we're just at the beginning, and I think our kids' generation, I kind of talked about this a little bit before, they're going to be the one to put the final nail in the coffin of traditional media because they just have no concept of it. I don't see my son ever, any of my sons, ever reading a newspaper. I they don't, I, they might, I could ask them, they might not even know what a newspaper is. They just, there's no concept of a TV. Oh, I have to wait for my show to come on. No, I want to watch my show. Now I'm going to turn it on on YouTube and go watch it. That's just the mentality they're going to grow up, grow up with for better or worse. And so that's when I think that's when the explosion is going to happen because you and I, we grew up watching TV, right? We, we, that was still there. So we know what it is. We have some concept of it where we really kind of grew up on that. And so switching to, to the internet was something different for our kids. The internet's going to be what they know. YouTube, Netflix, all these blogs, etc., Facebook, that's what they're going to know. So that's where they're going to be. And when they go to search for answers, that's where they're going to search. So the thing for you to do is prepare yourself for that. This again, that's why I harp on the thing with with PHP and and learning skills. You need to be ready for it. You need to get yourself right in order pre- to prepare for it. If you think, if you think the time has passed you, right where you can be ahead of this and take advantage of it, I I think that's simply wrong. It's yet to come. So you still have time. But that time is growing shorter and shorter. So you need to get yourself right now. The second thing is 
you really need to be on these platforms. Now, for those of you who just want to put your head down, you want to go work for some company, you know, write code, and that's really all you ever want to do. And legitimately, that's just, that's not some settling. That's really all you want. You don't want to mess with anything else. Then maybe this doesn't apply. Although I would say to you that being able to do some of this stuff, YouTubing, blogging, going on, you know, Stack Overflow or different places and and being active and, and having that sort of presence, it would make you far more marketable. It would make it far easier for you to get hired and, and so forth. But yeah, you probably could get away with not doing it. But anything else, if you want to do freelancing, if you want to build some sort of application, whether it's a, you know, it's a, the next Facebook or WordPress, or it's a mobile app, like a Android or iOS app, a game, something that a, a consumer is going to have to either download or buy, whatever. If you want to do anything outside of just the put your head down and work for someone else type thing, you you have to be on these platforms. That's just where people are. That's where the eyeballs are. So you need to start building up an audience there of people that you can then go to when your app is ready or when you're, you're freelance, you want to you know, offer your freelance services. You need to be on these platforms. Otherwise, you it's like Gary Vee says, I've said this before, you basically don't exist. And so, again, that's something to start doing now. Your own blog, a YouTube channel, a Medium account or a Medium profile, uh, a podcast, social media, I mentioned Stack Overflow, something. Uh, more is uh, a few is better than more is not necessarily better but a few is better than one right so pick two or three that really really resonate with you i have my own blog i have my youtube channel i cross post stuff on medium it probably doesn't really count i do this podcast i'm obviously on social media but not super heavy but youtube my blog and this podcast are probably the three things that i really focus on the most Figure out what it is for you and get on those. Start positioning yourself now to be ahead of it. Because when that time comes, the way that you're going to get people to download your app, to hire you as a freelancer, etc., is going to be through your YouTube channel, through your podcast, through your Medium blog or your own blog, etc. That's the way you're going to get eyeballs to the, the thing that you're doing. And it's it's basically not going to be anywhere else right you're, you're going to run an ad in the newspaper on the tv it, it's kind of funny my uh wife works for a local company here and they ran some tv ads and they just tanked you know they put all this time and money into making these tv ads thinking this was going to be might be a big thing for their their company and they tanked their facebook ads do way better than their tv ads did that's the way things are going that's only going to be come more and more the case so Position yourself for this. Uh, get yourself on these platforms. I know it's uncomfortable, but you got to start. And I was uncomfortable when I first started. I, I, mean, go, I mean, if you could go back, watch some of my first videos, just how bad they are. I get people who comment on, on them to this day and tell me how bad they are. I'm like, dude, I know. But that was like eight years ago. Like, <laughs> Calm down a little bit. But... uh you're going to be awkward at first, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you're, you'll get. And you don't have to be perfect. Obviously, I'm not perfect now, as you can tell. All right. The, the third and final thing then is 
now, now, now. <laughs> so I think the trend is clear and it's been happening for at least a decade now. And like I said, I, I believe the kind of explosion hasn't even happened yet. And if you look at, just look at the, the most, some of the most popular YouTubers. I don't know the exact numbers, but I know the ones, I think PewDiePie is the number one. I know Mark Applier's at like 15 million. I think Jacksepticeye's at like 12. These are some of the ones. My kids don't watch PewDiePie, but they do watch Markiplier and Jacksepticeye. But if you look at their numbers, I mean, PewDiePie has 53 million subscribers. I think Markiplier's 15, Jack is 12. That's 5, 10, 20 times the sizes of old media. The Wall Street Journal's, uh, based on the research I was able to do, they are the largest newspaper, and they have a circulation of 2.3 million. So PewDiePie is almost 25 times that. So you can maybe get start to see why they might have gone after him. It it, it sounds it, it honestly it, when people look at it because Wall Street Journal is so established, they look like like the old big dog going after the young buck. But really, it's reverse. It's the small player trying to take shots at the big player. Uh, in order to try and up their readership and so forth, and in, in my opinion, so again, these YouTubers are huge. If you look at TV, CBS is the largest uh, with 8.8 .8 million viewers. Well, you know that's still less than Jacksepticeye and Markiplier. Markiplier's about double. PewDiePie's about five, four to five times that. So again, these these got uh, these YouTubers are just eclipsing traditional media uh, far and away, and it's only going to continue to happen. But if you look at all these YouTubers, if you look at who they appeal to, they tend to appeal to kids. I mean, I don't watch Jacksepticeye. I watch some of his stuff with my kids, but it's kind of it's playing games. It's, in, it's kind of geared towards kids. Markiplier, uh, PewDiePie, maybe not as much, but still, I would say he's a you know, college age to teen type who he appeals to. I don't, I don't know many 40, 50 year olds watching PewDiePie. So it, it appeals to a younger sort of generation. Well, as those kids grow up, as my kids get older and they become 18 and they go to look for a new source or somebody to teach them something or anything related to what they do, an app, this, that, the other, they're not going to turn on the TV they're not going to pick up the newspaper. They're going to go online. They're going to listen to what Jacksepticeye has to say on the topic. Right? They're going to listen to you know, what some podcaster has to say. They're going to do a Google search. They're going to ask their Facebook friends. They're going to look on Twitter. That's what they're going to do. And so, again, it's the importance of now. This is, this is, this is just the beginning. It's coming, and you really want to position yourself to benefit from all this. Because if you do, it's going to come your way. Things are moving in your direction. But the thing you don't want to do is, is let it pass you by. Okay, so get your code game in order. Get on these networks and start putting out content, even if it's uncomfortable. Start out with written stuff. That's what I did. Start out with written stuff where you can sit there and spell check and go over it a hundred times before you put it out. Right? Do that. And then as you get more comfortable with that, move into a video, maybe a podcast where they don't have to see your face and then 
move into video, etc. But do something, and most importantly, do it now. Because, again, the worst, the last thing you want to happen is have it pass you by and you miss it when you knew it was coming. You could have positioned yourself uh, uh, for it, and you just let it pass you by, right? All right, so that's my whole take on, I know I kind of delved away from the actual scandal itself. Uh, I think what the Wall Street Journal did was was ridiculous. Uh, you could, this here's the thing about it. You could th- think that what PewDiePie did was in poor taste, that it was offensive. You can think all that stuff. But to take that and try and portray that he actually believed that, that he's a Nazi or whatever they're trying to, you know, he's anti-Semitic. That, I mean, it was clear from the video that it was not the case. He didn't, he was trying to show something and he took it too far. And you could maybe criticize him for that, but to say he's a Nazi is stupid. And so the wall and the people who wrote the article know full well that that's the case. Right, this was clear and far and away a hit piece. But anyway, uh, I wanted to use that as an example of of how things are changing and the way things are going and what you as a web developer can do to take advantage of it. So hopefully you got something out of that. If you did, be sure to like this episode or leave me a five-star review over on iTunes at johnmorrisonline.com slash iTunes. If you want to subscribe, you can find all the subscription links, past episodes, all that jazz johnmorrisonline.com slash podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play Music for your Android device, etc. All those links are at johnmorrisonline.com slash podcast. So be sure to head over there. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.